Welcome back to Coffee and Comic Books. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Rick. Hello. Uh, and I don't have any preamble, so Rick, what have you been reading this week? <laughs> uh, well, before that, um, there's a bit on Gotham where you talked about uh, the third Nolan movie. Uh, yeah, the bad one. Uh, they're all bad. Well, but... <laughs> well, well, okay, so I'm not going to say that the third one's a good movie, but I am going to say that it is a hilarious movie and that Bane is the best part of it specifically because it's a Nolan movie because he tries so hard to make him a bad guy but the three the two things that Bane does in that movie are go to the Wall Street exchange and beat people up there and uh, expose police corruption to free people from prison <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> it's so and then the best part is uh, I guess spoilers for the end of that movie but he doesn't know what to do with Bane, so he just kind of like blasts him off like a Looney Tune out of the frame when he doesn't know what to do, how to resolve his plot at all. It's the funniest thing in the world. Dark Knight Rises as a movie would make a lot more sense if um, it w- it had a Batman sixty six tone to it because it is just <laughs> about the a man with a funny voice brings a bomb into town and then Batman has to run the bomb into the harbor at the end oh, of the day. <laughs> I guess he also blows up a football game. Yeah, he does blow up a football game. <laughs> He 9-11's the football stadium. <laughs> Jesus, Dark Knight Rises was two hours and 45 minutes. Yes, I was about to be like, you know, if M, do, if, if M and I do um, uh, Gotham for a very long time, sooner or later we'll talk about Dark Knight Rises, I'm sure. But it's two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but back in the realm of uh, not movies, um, mm-hmm. I've been looking at uh, art objects and comics I own that I don't know what to do with because they're just like weird sized big. So one of the ones I'm holding that I didn't tell you about earlier a second ago is I have a newsprint comic that is just scenes from uh, American Psycho. Oh shit! It's like bigger. So I'll show you the how big this thing is compared to the book we read today because it's probably the best comparison. Um, but yeah, this is what this thing. It's that big. Okay. And it's it just did. black and white. It's just black and white scenes of American Psycho. It's one of the strangest things I got at a convention for like nothing. It's weird. This, and also the who who did this? Because this like this face. It doesn't look like somebody I know, but it looks like it's like an art style I sort of recognize. It's a uh, Benjamin Mara. Okay. Who's uh, an artist? Uh, I liked at the time and has gone to. I don't know. Kind of weird. <laughs> now in a way that yeah and then uh the other thing i read is called rub the blood and it is uh i believe it was a kickstarter from like oh 20 the 2010s like early 2010s i want to say i probably find the date in here uh, anyways it is an image comic yeah 2011 uh it is an image comic or it's an image comic homage by a bunch of indie artists all the way from like really extreme art to just like one big page of supreme being cool to like um (laughs) there's a comic in here at the end that is herb trimpy who is one of the guys who was working at marvel in the 90s uh getting beat up by a bunch of image characters and then going into his cave to decide that he's going to draw the the, all the lines and all the cross hashing that he can to beat them out and then it's a kid going to a comic stall buying one of his Fantastic Four issues, which are the ones you know about, because they're like the Fantastic Four and like, vests holding giant guns. 
<laughs> from that period. And he, and he's like, this is so sad. And it's, it is really affecting because it's both like a comment on the fact that these people don't get paid by Marvel enough so that they have to like fight the current trends. And also that those current trends keep pushing people to follow them because of how the market works. It's a weird book. It's fun. <laughs> it sounds good. There's, there's some art in here that's like really cool and some it's all the mix of like 2011 art where it's like this is probably over a line and this is probably over a line but that's fine and i don't have to do with it anymore (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah but yeah uh that's that's kind of stuff i'm reading what about you um that did remind me of um so i i have not read a ton of this um but nia lent me um she has two issues of um this book called um i guess it's called uh bowman or infinite bowman i'm not a hundred percent on the title because um i'll send you i will take some pictures of the covers of the shit she she lent me um it's not easy to read anyway it's like indie comics from back when she was into indie comics in like the early 2010s and she lent these to me because they were inspired by um uh the jack kirby 2001 uh-huh. And um, <laughs> I've been just I like got high the other night and started flipping through them. And one of these <laughs> issues just has like um, a demon Garfield uh, like sucking the blood out of space aliens. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird thing here. I'm taking some pictures so I can send you. Yeah, I'm um, looking for it. I know this artist name. I don't know where I know it from, but I know this name. It's a. Uh, I now believe it's, it's for the listeners. Pat Aluzio, Aluzio. Al- yeah. I might be pronouncing that wrong. I apologize. Um, it looks like maybe you can buy a paperback of this, but I just have these little floppies that I'm sure are no longer being printed anymore. <laughs> um, here we go. Why do I know? Um, that? But yeah, they're just yeah, very it, like. It looks sweet. Yeah, yeah. It's very like off the wall. Very weird. Very. Um, it does kind of remind me of like the Jack Kirby 2001 because it just feels like you can turn the page and like anything could be happening in the way mm-hmm. in the same way that um, the Kirby 2001 manages um, and in the same way that the book we're talking about today manages. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, another thing that um, I bought yesterday at the bookstore. I read two pages. It seems cool, but I haven't really dug into it. Um, maybe I'll bring it to this podcast at some point. It's called um, Uma's Table uh, by Yon Si Kong. Um, it is a book about some cat people who uh, make food for each other. It's like a family of cat people and the meals they share together. And like, seems like maybe it's about like somebody who's an adult now looking back at their childhood. You know, that sort of thing. Um, uh-huh. it seems good. The art's really cute. Oh yeah, that looks cute. Um, but yeah, I li- I think I just heard about it on a podcast, and then I saw it at the bookstore yesterday because I went, I went to the local comic store, not thinking about how um everything that I would have heard of um is across town at C two E two right now. <laughs> like half their st- like the 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 shelves were just like, um. Not not uh not all the popular stuff was on their shelves because uh most of the popular stuff was over at C two E two which <laughs> I was not at this weekend because I didn't want to get COVID. Yeah, um, uh, that was on a wait. What I'm ninety percent sure. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. 
<clears throat> Remember, wait, what? They should bring that back. Rip to wait, what? <laughs> that was a good podcast. It got it got yeah. kind of annoying in 2020, but uh, I came back before the end, and I was I'm still a little pissed off that they ended it. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Anyway, um, you want to talk about uh number five? Yeah, I'd love to, because this book is sweet, and rereading it has made me like it a lot more. <laughs> a lot I was, more. Uh, okay, so listeners, this book is weird. This book is <laughs> challenging to read. Um. And uh it's very dense too. Very dense. And yeah, I literally I got to like chapter 15 or 16, like whatever the last chapter um we read and I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be so much better in 5 years when I reread this." <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. really enjoying it, but I definitely I hit a point where I was like, "Hmm, now that I know now that I know all this stuff that happens Later in the series, I can reread the stuff that happens first and actually understand it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um, I guess the way to start with this one is um. This is a. It's a. It's not quite a superhero comic. It's more of a. It's more like Cyborg Nine. Yeah, I would very deliberately because there are nine of them and they're numbers one to one to nine. Yeah. It's and also um so the thing about it is it is one of those books um it's it's like it's take it's like it reminds me always goes back to this but of um actually Watchmen because yeah no it, no it, it is it is very 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 surreal and intense but also like the whole story is like smashed into the malaise of a world locked into this weird war that you don't know what's going on. And like, it's in the nearest future where something changed. Okay. We're on the same page then. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. That's the whole thing. Like this is a nine 11 book. Yes. 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 And it comes (laughs) It is is a Watchmen nine 11 book. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, and it's drawn from like the the inspirations go from like, um, like Mobius all the way to Tezuka and back. Yeah. It's, uh, for people, uh, this is, uh, Taya Matsumoto who drew, uh, most notably, uh, people listening to this will know of, uh, Ping Pong, mm-hmm. the Ping Pong ma- comic and anime, and then, uh, Tenkong King, Tenkong King Crete, which is also known as Black and White in the collected edition, and it was really known as Black and White, and the name got changed for America, and then Sonny was the one that I first got into his work by, which is coming out in the 2010s, uh... And I fell off of that because it was more like that's just a more like slice of life hanging around a town kind of thing, like a small, hmm. really small thing. And then he did a book uh, with Angoulême about cats at the Louvre or the Louvre in uh, France. Yeah, um, I feel like um, so I have not read any Tayo Matsumoto. That was part of the reason I wanted to do this one, because um, I heard other podcasts, both um both ones that, like, we've collaborated with and, um, you know, other stuff that, like, we don't even know those people have talked about ping pong and black and white. And number five sounded really cool to me, and I didn't know much of anything about it. So I was like, oh, that'll be a cool pick. Also, it helps that it's only four volumes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 37 chapters or whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think um, Cats of the Louvre, I think, made a little bit of a splash because... I knew about ping pong, but I think uh, Cats of the Louvre, um, when it came out, I was like, 
it feels like it like sort of made waves a little bit outside of the normal like people who read uh, manga to, into like people who read graphic novels and write for the comics journal or whatever you know <laughs> yeah, yeah um and but like, yeah no um, i literally was i was literally gonna come in here and say number five is like a lot of cyborg 009 a lot of airtight garage with just like a little pinch of a uh, watchman and uh, so i was really glad that you hit all the same notes i was like okay cool <laughs> <laughs> and so to get to like the, the overview plot um uh, number five is the titular character, and he allegedly the story we are told is he kills some people and kidnaps a girl from number one's mansion, and then number nine goes after him and he defeats number nine, and then number eight goes after him, he defeats number eight, and then number seven goes after him and then wants to just leave, and then number six goes after him and he beats number six, and number four goes after him and then he gets beat. They get beat by someone else, and then the book ends for now. Yeah. And That's then, the general overview. <laughs> yes. Uh, after the number four defeat, we get a couple chapters of flashbacks to ten years ago, which is filling in a lot of the, like... <sighs> so the thing that makes the book so challenging is it just throws you into its world um, very much... It, it very much is in the same way as um, Airtight Garage, or another thing that came to mind was Nemesis the Warlock, which I think is riffing on Mobius in a big way. Um, and so it very much throws you into this, like, heavy science fiction world um, with just, like, all this stuff going on and just sort of lets you have to put the pieces together yourself. And then, fourteen, cha- I think chapter 14, it's like... <clears throat> Basically, we leave, number four is dead, number five is bleeding out, and then we just, like, flashback from that moment to ten years prior, and we get a couple chapters here at the end of volume two about, like, number one, the guy who is currently number one sort of rising up the ranks of, um, uh, you know, the the Rainbow Brigade is the name of the, like, (laughs) unit that these people are all part of. We should probably, Um, in that case, um... It probably makes sense to go through the numbers of people. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, because they're fun. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and they're very, a varied group of people. Yeah, so uh, number one is uh, Mike Davis. Yes, mm-hmm. his name is Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and he is... Um, huh. He is, the, he is the anime protagonist guy. He is the but, he is the new type who is gonna like lead yeah. the world into the future. But also he has that he has that Emerald thing where it's like, is he on the level? Yeah. <laughs> is there a thing under there that's like real wrong that's gonna go real wrong in the future? <laughs> I do not trust this motherfucker. <laughs> but everyone else does, so it's like okay. <laughs> well, so jumping way ahead and getting really into the weeds, um, Toward the end of volume two, we see, like, I think this is, like, just before he becomes number one. I think maybe he's, like, number two at this point. Doesn't really matter. Um, there's a bunch of people protesting um, uh, the the Rainbow Brigade and the Peace Corps, because the Peace Corps is a military organization that does all the black ops to preserve the peace, you see. <laughs> um, and there's a there's this... In this one flashback, number one is talking to this protester who's anti-Peace Corps. Oh, yeah. And that. sort of, like, 
Jedi mind tricks the guy into just like being a supporter of the Peace Corps and then stretches out a hand to him. And there's like, the, the whole book is drawn in a very strange style. Um, it's, tr- it's w- once again, very evocative of Mobius, but also like all the lines in this book are like very wavy and very like, yeah, yeah. Um, like they're dark, but they're not very like strong. They're sort of like, crum- they're like crumpled paper. And so in that sort of line work, you get um, him stretching out his hands and then shoujo flowers like blooming everywhere. And it's the most untrustworthy thing that anybody's ever done in a comic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, then we have uh, number two who has been very little in this book. He's just a guy with glasses. Um, is he the guy or, or no? Number three is the guy who looks like Common Rider. Number two is yeah, the yeah. guy. Um, he just has glasses. Who... He's just like, a, just like the nerdy guy from any anime. He's like he's like um uh the nerdy guy from any anime, but also he rides motorcycles. Um yeah. which is why I thought for a while that he was the common rider guy. But no, the motorcycle guy and the common rider guy are two different guys. <laughs> but number three is the common rider guy who is being set up at the end of this book to be what happens next volume. Yeah. 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 I assume that'll be the next big fight we get. <clears throat> uh and number four are the psychic twins. Yeah. Gotta have some psychic oh. twins. Yeah, um, they're they're sweet. Their chapters are really great. Yeah, they're the their chapters are the highlight. Um, and they they're like they're really old. Like all the other people <laughs> yeah. have like normal human lifespans, and number four is like a hundred plus years old or something. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, uh, Mike Davis, you know, number one. He's the he's the prophesied uh, one who is going to lead us into a future. Uh, what is that future that Mike is going to live us, lead us into? <laughs> number four doesn't really need to address this. They're excited about that future, but I don't really trust number four. <laughs> uh, number five is our main character who is was trained in the military and is like a sniper, basically. Mm-hmm. Very good um, with weapons. Yeah, the the coolest sniper that ever lived, other than the guy who trained him, who used to be part of the uh, Rainbow Brigade, Colonel Victor, who is the actual coolest sniper that ever lived. Yeah. Uh, But that guy was evil, and number five is good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number six is a big guy who rides around on a horse. (sighs) This is the other highlight of the book, is is the number six uh, chapter. Uh, Number six is just very much like, like when when number one joins the brigade, uh, number six is like, I, I, it is an honor to welcome <laughs> such a warrior as yourself, and just is like always talking about like the honor of warriors. He's the wharf. He's the wharf yeah. of this whole thing. <laughs> he, he's a Ramparel, the old guy yeah. who knows all the, everything that's going on. Uh, number seven is an islander who got put into the Rainbow Brigade who just wants to chill and hang out. Yeah, he he um. He gets a cool scene where he could gun down um, number five and just put all this to an end. But he's like, I don't I don't really think that, like, killing you would accomplish anything. Like, I don't think that, like, you know, you know, killing our own is the answer. So uh, I've proved to myself that I could have killed you. And now I'm going to walk away from all this. Uh, Number eight is a fighter pilot, basically. Mm hmm. Uh, Who's a rocket launcher? He's pretty cool. And he is gunned down immediately. (laughs) That scene is incredible. We'll get back to that in a second. And uh, yep. number nine is uh, a, the youngest member of the team who likes listening to classical music and is dead before the book starts. Yeah, he like literally like 
page like <laughs> three of chapter one is just like guy takes bullet to brain. <laughs> And there are many scenes of, like, last time on number five, and just a scene of him getting shot off his bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing, like, then, not to keep oh, yeah, this back to Airtight Garage, but, like, that is another thing that evokes that, that book specifically, is that, like, every now and then, not every chapter like Airtight Garage would do, but every now and then you just get the story so far, and it's sheer, unintelligible nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Those pages are amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, the final character, the final important character, is a uh, Petroska, who is uh, like her name suggests, is a doll, like the doll, and mm-hmm. is the girl who was kidnapped. That is what in love? Question mark? Question point? mark? With yeah. um, number five, I believe that she's in love with number five, but I also believe that like there is a lot of stuff about her that's going to get revealed in like the last two chapters that will only leave more questions than answers. That's my, that's my uh, guess for Matryoshka so far, because her whole, deal, that. <laughs> <laughs> her whole deal is like very shrouded in mystery. Um, she was, so the scientists um, that created the rainbow brigade brought her in. Um, oh, yeah. We got to talk about Papa, right? We got to talk about Papa. Um <laughs> They the scientists brought her in and she sort of hangs around like the Rainbow Brigade HQ, but like what she does there is sort of ambiguous. Um when we see her with number five, she kind of just will say like flying, you know, like she doesn't say a lot, she just sort of observes like animals and uh, you know, hangs out with animals. So mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Uh, would you like to describe what the scientist is wearing who created all these people throughout this entire book? So, yeah, the Dr. Light <laughs> is um, a guy who walks around in a bunny outfit that looks like... It kind of looks like he's dressed like one of the rabbits from Life is Hell. <laughs> um, yeah. F- the the uh, <laughs> Matt Groening uh, comic strip. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and... <laughs> Also leads to a hilarious scene at a certain point where he's in his house and he's still got the bunny hat on. All the all the scientists oh, wear yeah, these that, bunny yeah, outfits. Yeah, yeah. But like apparently the the torso it, it's not a one piece because apparently he can take the torso piece off like it's a jacket or a shirt or something. Yeah, because number five <laughs> breaks in and then they're having like steak dinner and he's wearing not the shirt of his bunny outfit. Yeah. So he's wearing pants, gloves, and a bunny hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the point of that scene was largely to just uh, impress on the reader that uh, he created failsafes into these people so they cannot hurt him, which is always the thing you do when you're a good person. Yeah, for sure. Definitely <laughs> um, it, no ulterior motives to, to that sort of situation there. <laughs> so yeah, the, the thing about this book is that that plot's all happening, but it is, like, they're described often as, like, 6% of the military budget of this world and, like, mascots to prop up the war- the wars that this Peace Corps is doing everywhere all the time. And, like, so the thing that gets backfilled in, which I by the time it gets backfilled in in Chapter 14, I sort of could have guessed, is that this is a world where... um. <clears throat> It's far, it's, we, we see at one point in chapter 14, I want to say, um, 
a billboard that says Elvis 500th anniversary. So this is like <laughs> the far flung future. Um, and at a certain point, the world had, you know, depleted all its resources. Um, and everybody sort of banded together under like one world government and there was no conflict and there was no nothing. And the remnants of the military put together this uh, rainbow brigade in order to maintain that peace. And each of the um, the nine, like, rainbow brigade members is a leader of, like, a whole bunch of, like, soldiers below, him, below them. So, like, um, that are sort of, like, themed after them. So, like, uh, Victor uh-huh. and number five, Yuri, um, are part of just, like, like it seems just like black ops sniper guys like all of them are just like snipers and then um like <clears throat> we don't we see a little bit of the other ones but that's the, like all the number 2 guys they all ride motorcycles you know <clears throat> um so yeah and like um what was i going to oh the other main character in this book is uh animals cuz yeah animals are just walking around loves drawing animals so like every other page will be like someone we they'll be seen happening, it'll be like just a pig walking around or like a sheep. It's yeah. Great. Part of the reason this book is hard to understand is that like like the gutter is putting in work in this book. Because <laughs> yeah. there'll be like there will pe- be like people talking about like some sort of like geopolitical situation that we don't even really understand because we've only gotten like one tenth of the world building that Matsumoto is like sort of done behind the scenes. Um, and then it'll be like, you'll turn the page and you won't even be able to keep track of who's talking anymore because it'll just be like, here's a drawing of some bees making some honey and some like zebras and, um, uh, number one eating that cat. Don't worry about it. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, just like random drawings of animals um as sort of like background of conversations or like you see a bunch of like number ones compound and there's just like big strange not real animals walking around or he just has like sheep hanging out in his kitchen and all sorts of stuff um it's really fucking cool and um if if you have read um uh, ping pong specifically uh, the thing about this book is that it's a lot of it's very like not sedate, but like it's just like stuff's happening, but nothing. But then when it gets to someone having to like fight someone, it explodes, and those pages mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. so fast, so precise, and so like like the one with eight, where um, I believe one of them like flies through the air, gets hit, shoots a rocket a couple times, and then goes through the flame of that rocket to then mm-hmm. kick the guy off a mountain. It's it's just sick. Yeah, and even in the um, it's cool that like even in the pages where the action is exploding, it's one it becomes way more legible than the book ever is during <laughs> like the sedate scenes, but two, um he'll still find ways to mix in this panel is just speed lines or this panel is just a reaction shot from a horse you know do you want, do you want that reminds me of it reminds mm. me of um when you would read uh hellboy and there's like an offset panel of a skull yes. or like a bird yes. on a, ble- a bird on a branch it's 100 percent hellboy of just like yeah like hellboy will just be like beating the hell out of a dude and then just this panel's a skeleton no reason <laughs> i just like skeletons <laughs> uh. 
and it's it's fucking sick, sick. cyborg or nine fights yeah and also we should mention uh in this world to like prop up the the rainbow brigade they have an anime that is drawn <laughs> yes it is literally drawn like an ishinomori comic like it's deliberately so <laughs> but it is still like the weird like crinkled paper line work it's still so it looks like it looks like a kid tr- doing a really good impression of Ishinomori, but like obviously, and they all have animals. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a pol- like in the number four panel. There's a polar bear, and they're like Mike has a sheep with him. It's great. <laughs> yes. There's oh. also um, later on. There's one cutaway to not the anime, but like a commercial about the Rainbow Brigade. I want to say uh-huh. where like. Um, number six is just drawn like a Jack Kirby character for no discernible reason. Yeah. And I lost my shit. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like three pages where they're just drawn like superhero like superhero superheroes. Yeah. And it's it's wild. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess yeah, like the second volume's also where like you d- you don't necessarily trust uh Mike and like Papa and all those people, but then this then Yuri comes in and or um Victor comes in in volume two and you're like Oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> well, yeah, because in volume one, so you mentioned, like, at the start of it, the story we are fed is that number five has been killing all these people. And that is definitely, there are there are lots of drawings that would make you think that number five is killing all these people, and that's probably true for some of these people, but, like, I also kind of think I kind of think he's being set up by Victor the whole time because Victor is also a super cool sniper assassin guy. Uh, <laughs> and Yuri has given us, like, we don't have any sense of what Yuri's motivation, number five's motivations would be through this whole thing. But we do, we get a lot in volume of two of what Victor's motivations would be. We get a whole chapter zero about how cool Victor is um, at the very start of this. And um, what was my other, th- I had one last thing. Um, oh yeah, it's also Yuri Men- or one of the other people in the like uh, sniper group is like, yeah, we've all sworn our eternal allegiance to Victor, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, I definitely think that like maybe Yuri has killed some of these people, but I kind of think he's all he's being set up by Victor to take the fall for something. Because Victor has literally said, yeah, I'm gonna break the Rainbow Brigade in half, and if that's his goal, uh, he's doing a good job of it. If if he's the one doing all this, who knows? Maybe we'll come back next week and I'll be like, I was wrong. Also, like Victor's <laughs> having like a, a lunch session in the middle of Snowfield, and there's just like mammoths and like Yetis walking around while they're having tea. Yeah, That's there's cool. like there's a really <laughs> cool sequence of them like they're they're tracking Yuri through the through the snowy mountains, and it's hard, and they've been do at this for two weeks now, and everybody's um struggling you know eventually uh we'll get like victor like shoots two of his own men because oh we've ran out of food and ammo for them anyway so what would be the point of keeping them around but victor he's you know cold and steely his senses get sharper every day um and he tells them to set up camp and they have like a tv and then yeah like some mammoths (laughs) (laughs) well and the the reason for this is he, he he's aware his men aren't aware of it but it's the the twins like Stretching all into his mind to like throw him off the trail of what he's trying to do, mm-hmm. and it all builds to a scene where they turn into a dragon and light him on fire, and he gives this amazing yes while his body is disintegrating on the page, and it rules 
so his much. His skeleton is on fire, and he's saying that like pain isn't real or something like that. <laughs> he's like, this doesn't matter to what number one showed me that day. Yeah, it's great. Because <laughs> the thing he is pissed off about is, um, so on a parade, uh, they hit a cat by accident, and number one gets out of the car, goes to the, the dead cat he ran over, picks it up, and starts eating its heart live on television. It, it, not only live on television, but it's a parade, so there's, like, thousands of people, like, standing around watching. So there's, like, you know, people at the TV station, we get them, like, being like, cut to commercial, cut to commercial. It doesn't matter, because even if, one, they can't cut to commercial in time, because no one's going to predict that this man will start eating the cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but two, like, even if even if they did cut to commercial perfectly, like, you know, there's the thousands of people standing there, and... All these people watch him eat a dead cat raw, like, on live TV, and everyone remains loyal to him, and this just fucked up Victor's whole shit. Like, you could do fucked up shit in front of the whole world, and no one cares. Meanwhile, I do my cool black ops, and everyone hates me. And so now he hates, <laughs> now he hates number one. That's just they basically... All, they all bow to him for eating that cat. Yeah. They're all like, thank you. Thank you, King. <laughs> and there's like there's like like funny bits too like there's a bit early on where there's one of the military guys gets like uh like jedi mind tricked by the twins and they have him like visit his mom when he was a kid and she has a combination dog bat prototype mm-hmm. robot that's just flying mm-hmm. around barking in all the scenes <laughs> it's so funny it's so good it's so fucking good um and like the history stuff's funny too because like it's a lot like Billy Bat in that way where like uh, Mike's got like a Michael Jackson cup that he drinks out of and like yes. has posters of Abbey Road and like um ET on his wall. I can't I can't fucking get away from the Beatles on this podcast, dude. I <laughs> <laughs> Look. They're they're important in culture. Maybe that that'll be like a twenty dollar podcast I do where I just <laughs> listen to Beatles songs and um, talking to a microphone for 20 minutes about, uh, well, you know what? Actually, Revolver wasn't as bad as I thought it was, or whatever. <laughs> Don't we have listeners that are very big Beatles fans? I know Camille is a huge Beatles fan. Is it um, I, I want to say that M is. Um, my thing, I had a huge Beatles phase when I was in high school, and then... I guess I, I just don't like John Lennon's whole deal. Um, the others are fine, but I just don't like John Lennon. I don't like his vibe. He 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 is bad to me. And so for some reason, at, at a certain point, like once I was no longer into the Beatles, I just started to hate all their songs. And then I started to work in retail where I hear too many Beatles songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll definitely <clears> do it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like that with um, Christmas Carol still. Oh, Christmas Christmas music doesn't hit me. Christmas music, I love that shit still. It, yeah, I worked overnights in a, mm, in a grocery store, and they just they, they cut the radio on for some reason. Oh, yeah. the moment my store closes, like, the moment we lock that door, I turn off the radio. I'm like, I can't stand this <laughs> shit anymore. <laughs> but to, to go back to the book, um, as we said earlier, uh, the big scene is where Five is confronted by the twins, and they basically show him how the world's connected. Yes. Like, you know, um, basically they do the thing from all the anime. They, they do the, they do the anime plot. You know, we are all one thing. Um, 
you know, you you hunt um, the prey, but you are the prey. The prey is you. The you are the hunter, and the hunter is you know like everything re- exists in a relationship to every other thing, and so everything really is one thing. Um, it's it's very much the anime plot. I uh, I found it a little more engaging than yeah, yeah. sometimes uh, how that's portrayed because it felt like a little more. Um, spiritual in nature in a way that like a lot of anime will shy away from uh-huh. um and then they start dancing with matroska and flying in the sky yeah and this is that this it's like cross-cutting with uh mike going crazy because he's uh mike is the one who has like the good new type sense so he can like feel things from his other members throughout the world yeah, all the Rainbow Brigade members are in tune to each other's emotions. That's how they can sort of track each other. And They're like X-Men, too. They have, like, individual powers. Like, it's strange. Yeah, and number five is able to evade capture because he's learned to suppress his emotions. Excuse me, yeah. suppress his emotions. But number one is the one who, like, he's really in tune. Like, somebody, like, some of them will be like, oh, number six is, like, feeling angry right now or whatever. But, like, number one can sort of, like, almost, like, see into other people's minds. He's so, like, empathic like that, you know? And then, um, so while they're dancing, uh, uh, what's it? Victor takes his shot and shoots everyone except for Matroska and takes her, and then uh, Mike goes kind of crazy, and then the pages start getting all, like, um, <laughs> they start getting into all these, like, black figures on, like, spiral backgrounds as, like, everyone's feeling mike feeling the fact that these two got shot yes and it's just um it's just pages and pages of just there yeah there's like 10 to 20 pages of just like people around the world sort of feeling the reverberations of like number four's death and number five being shot i think it's more so people around the world are sort of like in tune to the psychic energy that number four is putting out and so you just see like you get a lot of reaction shots of animals. You get lots of reaction shots of like children just sort of looking into the distance, being troubled. Um, it's really cool. Oh, he's literally in the yellow submarine, isn't he? <laughs> I didn't There's even realize also, that until now. In so he's in that guy's in the yellow submarine somewhere earlier, and I don't remember what the context of it was. But it was it was before we get the anime that is deliberately an Ishinomori style. But we uh-huh. get a submarine with the scientists on it. And it is literally just one of the black submarines from every Ishinomori comic. That was an, <laughs> I read. I read the first two or three chapters of Ishinomori's like com, original Common Rider comic uh, the last week, and um, it's crazy how it's just Cyborg 9 with one guy instead of nine guys. But yeah. otherwise, it's basically just the same book. <laughs> he did that story a lot because it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. It's good. I'm excited to read more. And then yeah, we go into uh, flashback mode. Yeah. This stuff's um, cool too. Yeah, the the flashback was really where I started to be like, oh, this is a little bit of a watchman. The flashback is very much like um we're gonna sort of like peel back the curtain of like <clears throat> you know why is this why is this sort of like, you know, Sentai squad put together? Oh, it's you know, to satisfy like the military, like the military felt irrelevant and so created the Rainbow Brigade to sort of, like, <clears throat> make themselves relevant again. And so um, the, like, relationship between, like, 
you know, superheroes and the military industrial complex, like goes back to like, you know, its earliest days in this universe. Um, and that, that was really where the Watchmen shit kicked in for me. Can you um, do me a favor and explain yes. to the listener, these two panels, because they are my favorite and I love them <laughs> so much. Um, I should pull up on my tablet, uh, all the pages I saved. Um, <laughs> so, so what we've got is um, the 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 scientists in this scene are sort of uh, explaining like what they're or, or no maybe this is number four yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. it's Papa uh, explaining what Mike is yeah it's Papa explaining what Mike is and so the first panel is um, Mike in like once again like shojo like flowers blooming all around him there's sparkle sparkles and birds flying um and he looks such such a beautiful anime boy and it says the next stage of human evolution um because that's what he's supposed to be and then the next panel is like this really like sort of angry scribbly drawing there's like ink just got spilled on the page off to the left of this and it's i think it's supposed to be it's Victor. Oh, it's oh, it's Victor because he's got the scorpion tattoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got the scorpion tattoo on his forehead. He's just like <laughs> rain Andrew clouds <laughs> over him, and he's all pissed off because he just hates Mike so much. I hate this guy. I do all my cool black ops shit, and I get you know a military tribunal. And this guy uh, eats a cat on live TV, and he becomes king of the world. I hate him. <laughs> the best part of Victor too is he's like the next page. He's like, oh yeah, I don't mind like like the. F- these twins and their black magic stuff. This guy is something like deeper and I hate it cause I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> and I gotta, I gotta say, I don't like disagree with Victor. Maybe the things uh-huh. he's doing are fucked up, but like not trusting this guy who was just born to be the next stage of human evolution. I also wouldn't trust that. <laughs> also, this might be colored by the fact that uh, we've read berserk. So and yes. Mike, Mike, is, Mike is very much that kind of guy too. <laughs> Mike is extremely Griffith. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's like you know, like oh, there's that panel of him being Jack Kirby. It's so good. <laughs> Victor, Victor does a lot of like fucked up shit in this book, but also like you know, Victor was built by these scientists to be the cool black ops sniper guy, and everybody hates him for it. And he literally, you know. He didn't ask for this, not to not to be all Adam Jensen about it, but like he didn't ask to be built into a sniper, you know. He didn't ask to be made into Big Boss, um, and so <laughs> like, so like he tries to respond to this this hatred by doing the thing he was trained to do, and everyone hates him for it. And I I, I get it, you know. Sucks to be him. He's uh, he he was given a raw deal. This is actually kind of related to. So we might do some of these books in the but um. A common thing in, um, so I read a lot of these back in the day, but a common thing in a lot of Warren Ellis uh, science fiction uh, is the thing, so the thing in his uh, Authority, Wildstorm, and Planetary books is that there are certain people who are born to do certain jobs. Like, they're Mm -hmm. literally created, like, they're born by the universe to do these things. And the villains of a lot of his books are just people that are like, that's a raw deal. What if we want to do something? And that's their whole motivation. Yeah. And and I I feel for Victor. I, I really feel for the yeah. guy, uh, even though he sucks. <laughs> There's like a kind of like weird like evolutionary like like just like crushing power that on these characters that 
if you're not the one at the top of it, then you're like, yeah, you're going to be and angry. Like, and like the thing we get in the um, flashbacks, that's really fun um, is we'll get like <clears throat> when we're introduced to Mike, it'll be like number nine parentheses uh, one day to be known as number one. And then it'll be like number six parentheses one day to be number known as number two number one parentheses one day to be num- known as number six parentheses killed in action speaking, <laughs> we didn't talk about yeah speaking talk of about number, number six. six yeah yeah so, so what happened uh, to number six so so this is like pretty early in the book because like because <clears throat> like nine goes down in chapter one Eight goes yeah. down in like chapter three, maybe, maybe chapter two. Seven has his deal where he like you know fucks off, and so like no, like we get to like number six pretty fast. the mo- The book has been moving really quickly, and it has been really hard to get your footing in anything. I think the number six story, uh, the the chapter is called Village Story, yeah. Um, and I think this is like where I started to like actually start to enjoy myself a little bit and not feel so overwhelmed by the storytelling storytelling style because uh the book slows down and we get number six is tracking number five um we get like a, a hint of he used to be number one but he's not he's sort of a very old very proud warrior uh and he sort of knows that he's going out on one last mission you and me we love when the old proud warrior is going out on one last mission <laughs> And he gets to this little village, and um, there's some, you know, just classic, like, you know, Yojimbo stuff. There's, like, uh, raiders coming to the village, and he, like, drives the raiders away, uh, and he befriends a woman in town, and she's like, come back, I love you. And he's like, no, I must go do my warrior thing. And he, like, takes this child in the town, out riding his horse, because he's got this cool horse i forget the horse's name but he's got a really cool horse who's a very like noble like very um uh kind of like shadow facts where it's like oh nobody can ride him except me or whatever um and so he takes this kid out to you know look at the mountain range on his horse and he's gonna drop the kid off and then go hunt for number five some more and while he's out on that ride just takes a bullet to the brain um and it's so sad and we get like a cut to number five, but we didn't actually see number five setting up the shot. We just see like a cut to him, which was the first moment I was like, I don't know that I believe that number five is killing these people. Still could be. I could be wrong about that. But I was like, hmm, I feel like there's like something being left out here. Um, but yeah, it's it's fucking good, dude. It just like slows down and becomes like a Western and it's really fucking good. <laughs> so his horse is named Thunderbolt. Yes. And uh, the the first the first bit of it is he goes to this like lady's town and he basically the the guards show up and she wants him not to make him a fuss so he kind of lets them like bully him and like take his horse away and it's because no one knows who he is because he's not wearing this whole thing and like set right. up so then they come back to town and he's sitting in a chair and <laughs> he goes wait I know that guy and as he's saying that he's like running over cutting them all in half getting back on his horse and then killing them all it's so good (laughs) it's so good and then he apologizes to the horse he's like i'm sure you didn't like being ridden by scum like that and i'm like yeah (laughs) it's that one scene that you know of where it's like you can beat me up but if you endanger the stuff i care about you're going to die (laughs) yeah (laughs) that just works every time it's so good also the um 
the style of it um reminded me um a little bit of the winterman in that bit too you know of just like um i and it's hard for me to pin down but like the ways in which winterman could sort of like um just could just like hit the brakes and become like a different thing for a little bit um uh really came up for me here and so that was cool <clears throat> and uh the other thing that we should mention is that most of the book while the style changes throughout into different small like small variations it a lot of it like looks the same mostly mm-hmm. but the one part that doesn't is the opening chapter which is like it's like, it's like really, chapter 0 and it's, it's like really gorgeous. Um, it's like Victor takes Yuri and one of the other sniper guys out on this hunt. That's not even mentioning there's a there's a title page which we should probably talk about in a sec. Uh <laughs> Oh, the, that's the, a whole other thing. The, the but tree? yeah, there's like yeah, the tree which I kind of forgot about until I was like looking at um uh this. Right, it's not I'm trying to remember how this goes down because it's um it's, They're looking for a mythical deer. Yeah, it's it's it is Victor. He just has like a mask yep. on, but there's still the there's still the scorpion tattoo, right? Um, and they're um, yeah, they're hunting Ashiro, this like mystical elk, um, and it's Yuri who will one day be number five, and it's um, uh, Nazarov who is like another like sniper guy that we've met a little bit, um, and they're both like kids, and they're like going with. Uh, Victor on this hunt and no one believes in them and it's just sick and Victor's whole thing in this story is that uh, he's telling these kids like he's training these kids and he's trying to build them into like like himself where he believes that people just need something to believe in that's bigger than them so they create mm-hmm. these stories of these larger than life things to be the, the, the scaffolding for their lives basically yeah and in doing that, uh, they, he believes that people keep recreating their failures in those stories and then in their lives. Mm-hmm. But it is, it seems like it's putting a difference between because um, I believe Yuri's the one who goes out to because he senses the thing in the night. Yeah, he like senses Ashiro and he goes out into the night smoking. Also, just before they go to sleep, um, uh, uh, Victor says to Yuri, "Like you smoke a lot, it'll kill you." And I just, I just know. <laughs> That, like, the last chapter of this book will involve, like, Yuri, like, lighting a cigarette as he's about to get killed by Mike or something. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, it's, like, showing this, like, because it's showing this like this distinction because Victor, uh, Yuri's going to end up on the brigade, but Mike's, uh, Victor's going to get thrown off, and he's going to be, he, he becomes... Throughout the when we meet him back in the book, the more realist character compared to these like superheroes next to him, and it's a very interesting way to start it. Yeah, this was th- this was like part of why I was. I, it's like such a weird thing to just like get thrown into because it's like because now reading it now that I'm like halfway through the series, I can sort of appreciate like I can sort of appreciate like. I'm not supposed to understand all the specifics. This is another chapter where, like, like the sort the sort of like cuts from one panel to a next to the next. Like, you have to put in a lot of work to 
uh, excuse me, to understand quite what's happening, like what the connective tissue is. Um, but now that I'm a little deeper in, I can just sort of roll with that stuff and sort of appreciate like the illustration style and appreciate like the storytelling. Whereas in the moment, I was just like, okay, this one's named Yuri. This one's named Nazarov. They're hunting the elk. Where? Oh, they're in the they're in the cabin, and that was the people down in the city. Okay, like in the first moment of reading it, I was just like so bogged down and like trying to understand every little thing that it was hard to appreciate. But now that I'm more accustomed to the series, just thumbing through this again, I was like, oh, I like this so much more than the first time I read it, which was you know yesterday. You know, I'm just I'm just flipping through it, and there are just so many pages that just jump right out of you. In like mm-hmm. ways you didn't expect them to before. Like there's that one. There's the one where they are super or they're curvy comics. But then there's this one where they're let the twins are like horror movie characters for a second as like a lady walks up with them and they just turn into ghosts and fly by. <laughs> yeah, the, the the twins do that a couple times where they just like suddenly became like it's not even like horror movie. It's like horror manga characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like they they just become Tomie for like two seconds. You know. <laughs> Um, they're good. I like cool the twins. Yuri looks very cool smoking. He does. That's the thing. Um, he's got the dorkiest haircut <laughs> in the world. Um, yep. but he does look cool. <laughs> um, that that is the thing about this book is that this book is absurd. It's ridiculous, and everyone's like, there's there's posters of like weird stuff on the, but every everything looks so cool at the same time. Yeah, it threads, um, it, threads, it threads that line between the like absurdity and like really sweet design really well. Mm-hmm. I agree. A lot like just... um, an airtight garage or like um, my Matt's Moto has said like that like Bilal and like Mobius are like two of the the guys that he is like in Otomo are like the guys he's most influenced by, and you can see all that in his comics so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I'm excited to read more of his stuff because I I get the impression from the outside looking in that like ping pong is not chaotic in the way that this book is chaotic. And maybe maybe I'll read it and be proved wrong. I have no idea. Um, But I'm like, because this is um, he did. I just had this up a minute ago. Um, Here we go. Uh, So he did ping pong from 96 to 97. That's like sort of a bigger series. Tech on concrete 93 to 94. And then he, like, takes a couple years off, comes back with Go-Go Monster, which is, like, one volume. And then this is, like, a big... Like, this is, I think, the longest series he'd done to that point. Um, And he does it after, like, a little break after Ping Pong. And so um, I'll be really interested to see, like, how different is his style from from that to this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we'll cover Ping Pong as part of this podcast. Maybe we will. I don't know. Um but I might just read it on my own because I'm kind of interested in seeing like what is a totally different thing <laughs> from this guy. The the funniest thing about ping pong to me is I have a volume of it in French because that was all I could find of it before it was put out by Viz like two years ago. I I've been <laughs> listening to a lot of manga explaining lately, um, and <clears throat> like like many people, I have had the thought a couple times in my life I should just learn to read Japanese so that I can like read all this untranslated manga. And listening to manga explaining has convinced me, no, I need to learn French because that's a much more achievable goal, and then I will be able to get most of the stuff. (laughs) 
it's crazy the amount of like stuff that's out in French that's not out in English. It seems like. Well, the funniest part about that is um because I'm in Canada. Um, oh when use, yeah. When, when I used to use Amazon, um, you would search for titles and it would bring up volumes of them on Amazon. I'd be like, why is this here? Should it not be? And it's like, oh, it's in French. <laughs> huh. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So. I always run into like, oh yeah, these are like JoJo's Volume Six volumes from like two thousand and like seven. It's like, what is going? <laughs> like twenty twelve. It's like, what is going on here? Oh, it's in French. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was reading. I was reading an interesting uh, article a couple weeks ago. I'll see if I can find it. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, about like, um, French shoujo fans like wanting to uh, shoujo to get more support from publishers. Um, there. And just a little one-off factoid um, that I read in that article was that Nana still sells like 600 copies a week in France, which I'm just like, <laughs> God bless. <laughs> and they're right. We need more shoujo. Uh, we all need more shoujo in our lives. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have too much more about these first two volumes of number five. Well, we'll come back next week, possibly two weeks from now, but I'd... I'd kind of prefer to do next week um, and talk about um, volumes three and four. That'll be a patron episode. So listeners, if you're not giving us $5, you will not hear our thoughts about the end of uh, uh, the series and hear if all my predictions were right. I'm Look, sure they won't be. <laughs> this guy is doing rider kicks in a, in, a, in, a, in a dojo getting ready to fight this guy. Something's going to happen. I'm fucking excited, dude. He's doing rider kicks. <laughs> also, I love that the, the, the volume two ends on... It ends on Mike just walking through a town being sad with a bunch of kids following him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Where can people find you online, Rick? Uh, They can find me on Twitter and co-host and Patreon at CombatlerRickV. And um, about that, I just put out this week uh the 50th issue of this animated thing i'm doing which is kind of wild and surreal it's so cool <laughs> yeah there's 50 of them now uh we're in 1983 the last chapter of nasca for a bit because they're going to do the thing where they make that movie now so they can't... oh yeah <laughs> so we can't put out chapters anymore bye nasca yeah. but then he's just gonna like put out like notes and sketches for like six months so that's kind of cool yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's me. You're doing so many podcasts. I'm doing too many podcasts. Uh you can find me You're on Twitter though. at a... <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can uh go to exportodd.io. That'll take you to the Patreon page. We've got links to all the free feeds of all the podcasts. You can give us a dollar a month and get a bunch of them early. Um, or you can give us $5 a month and get all the episodes of this podcast that you're missing. So, um, I think that Airtight Garage episode that we've referenced a bunch was a $5 episode, if I'm not mistaken. It could be wrong. It might have been. Um. We gotta do Bilal at some point, too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be fun to do more, like, European stuff, because that's, like, I don't know a goddamn thing about European comics. I know which book that would be, too, because there is the one book. (laughs) Um, I did this week, I, I, uh, downloaded a bunch of the other, um, uh, epic graphic novels of Mobius, so I might read a little more Mobius between now and the next one, because, um, yeah, this just got me thinking about Mobius again. But yeah, 
uh, I don't want to plug all the podcasts. I do too many podcasts. But uh, yeah. go listen to x4odd.io slash Gotham is what I'll say. <laughs> if you are getting this podcast, you have access to all of them probably. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but yeah. Uh, I got nothing else. I, yeah. I guess let's get out of here. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.